You are listening to the Moms Full Circle Podcast, a place for moms or moms-to-be to come together and support one another, laugh together, maybe cry together, ask your most random baby questions too, judgment-free, and tune in to hear all things motherhood. As a mama myself, I know the importance of having a tribe to lean on during this wild ride. I hope this podcast will do that for you too. So grab a cup of coffee or maybe a glass of wine, probably the video monitor too, and let's dive in. Welcome back to the Moms Full Circle Podcast. If you're new here, thank you for finding us. I'm Caroline Prestano. I am, I got a lot of hats that I wear. I am a nutrition coach. I'm a personal trainer. I am a teacher on an extended maternity leave, a wife to my husband, Keith, and a dog mama, and of course, a girl mama to my girl, Sophia. She is just a little over eight months old in the time that this podcast is coming out. But, um, yeah, I feel like things are kind of slowing down now. You know, the holiday season, November, December is just fun, crazy, wild, stressful, exciting, all the feels. And then January is the new year, but we also kind of come down off that holiday high and reality kicks back in. And I kind of feel like you have one of two directions to take right now. Um, Some people are feeling like it's the new year. I'm super motivated. And some people are feeling like, damn, it's already the new year. And I'm, you know, sad that the holidays are over. I feel overwhelmed about resolutions and all that stuff. So couple of things here. One, I'm going to have an episode coming out about resolutions pretty soon here. But um, it's going to be okay. Take a deep breath. New year, clean slate. You don't have to change the world as part of your new year's resolution. You don't have to set a new year's resolution, but if you want to go for it, I would just say, keep your expectations realistic, have some grace and be kind to yourself. And yeah, more to come on that in another episode, but just kind of a deep breath. Here we are, January, ready to roll. I also wanted to make sure that I put a little um, caveat in there for my mom's full circle workouts. So if you guys are not newbies to the podcast, you know that I made these workouts, the subscription, I should say, a few months ago. It's a virtual workout subscription where you're getting workouts every single week in follow along video style. So I'm doing the entire workout there with you. These are the workouts that I do in my basement gym day to day. And they're all right around 30 minutes, sometimes a few minutes more, sometimes a few minutes less, but I like to keep it short. I also like to do a little bit higher intensity because it's a shorter period of work. So we get our heart rate up, we're working on endurance, building strength, cardio, but also working on things like mental confidence, taking time for yourself and cheering yourself on. So that workout subscription, you can find the link for it in the show notes of this and also on my Instagram page. I talk a lot about I talk about it a lot. So head on down to the show notes to learn a little bit more and join me in those workouts. On to today's episode. Today I have Amber on the podcast. She is a dietitian for kids and she has her own private practice as well as works in a hospital setting. In today's episode, we talk about some of her specialty areas. So she talks about picky eaters and how to help our little ones that might have those tendencies. She talks about preparing meals for families that are on a busy schedule, which is um, all of us. She talks about balance and how our outlook on food and our practices around food can impact our children as well. Really great, well-rounded conversation 
touching on areas that I know many of us struggle with. So I'm excited for you guys to hear today's episode. Make sure you look down in the show notes for where you can connect with her, where you can find some of her resources, and she's also very open to getting messages and questions. So all of that on how to find her. Little side note, the dogs are going to make an appearance in today's episode. It was windy outside and apparently that called for lots of barking and Keith wasn't home to help us out. So bear with me on the appearances of Lily and Wrigley and I will catch you guys in the end. All right. Hey, Amber, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. We are excited to have you here and chat all about your expertise. So I'm going to hand it right off to you if you just want to tell listeners kind of who you are, what you do, and how you got into the field that you're in. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Carolyn, for having me on here. I'm really excited to talk to you today. Um, So just to start off, I I have kind of a long story, but I'll keep it short. Um, I am Amber Rodinas, and I own Seeds and Sprouts Nutrition for Kids, and I typically, traditionally, have always worked outside of the home, but as I was telling you earlier, I'm a military spouse and a mom, and so we move around a lot, and I started Seeds and Sprouts Nutrition for Kids because I left a lot of children's hospitals, a lot of neonatal intensive care units where you know, I have worked with kids and families for a long time. I kept leaving those positions and uh, wanted to find a way to still work with families and uh, keep my job every time we had a military move. So that led me to where I am now. And now I work a lot with families, uh, busy families that need help with mealtime strategies. I work a lot with families of picky eaters, um, trying to you know really encourage more food exposures and um, you know just kind of help troubleshoot all those mealtime battles. That I'm sure will always be a popular area that you'll have that work for. Was that something that you know? personally you found you struggled with and is that what led you into the field or just something that you had interest in yeah absolutely so in like i said in the hospital setting i became a pediatric and NICU dietitian and so as we moved around um you know i'm living that life i am a busy working mom and my kids are right now three and six but when i started this they were babies and um you know i'm struggling with juggling everything. How do I meal plan? How do I get my kids to eat their vegetables? How do, you know, how do I cook for my whole family when the kids only want to eat a few certain things and I really want to encourage better habits. So, you know, it was really easy for me to move into this space because it's the life I live, (laughs) if that makes sense. Oh yeah. It's, I had someone on the podcast recently that um, helps moms with like schedules and routines. And we had a similar conversation that busy is like the word for moms. And although they're busy, we can't just use that as an excuse to, you know, not take care of ourselves, not take care of our families. Like, so I would imagine that the families that you work with, it's just like, you know, thank goodness that they have you to be able to implement some of those strategies and kind of take it and run with it. So it's just one thing that's kind of off of their plate, off of their shoulders. Yes, absolutely. Like you said, being busy, I mean, pretty much can sum up all of us Mm -hmm. at this point. 
but there are just certain strategies, certain habits that you get into that can kind of lead you down one road or another, um, can lead you more towards successful meal times. And, um, you know, the other way is, you know, you get into bad habits and that's when you can start running into trouble after you do the same thing, you know, for weeks, months yeah. and years, Yeah, <laughs> those bad habits develop. Yeah. Now you touched a little bit on that. One of the main things you cover is that picky eating. So can you share a little bit about picky eating? My dogs are apparently having a party in the background. So, (laughs) um, picky eating, but like meal refusal too. And, um, are there some things that parents can do to kind of help prevent those habits early on? Yeah, absolutely. So picky eating is the biggest, um, touch point in my practice. And so um, I guess I would say the biggest pain point for parents in my practice. And so one of the very biggest tips I have for those families are preventing picky eating from the start. But, um, you know, that if you're already in the thick of it, some of that doesn't relate. But um, I would say that just not giving up on exposing their kids to a certain food. So for example, um, you know, a child will refuse a certain meal and, um, you know, to the parent, it feels like defeat. Like I prepared this and now it's wasted and I put this effort in and it's frustrating. And so, you know, what happens is they are like, well, I'm not making that again because that, that wasn't fun. That wasn't fun to deal with. And, um, so they quit, you know, offering that food. And that's actually the worst thing to do. (laughs) So um, my piece of advice is to keep serving that food, keep that in your regular rotation because it's all about normalizing a food. So, you know, this isn't an overnight fix. You know, none of what I teach families is something like that's a magic, you know, I'm not waving my magic wand for them and like presto, you know, your kid's not a picky eater anymore. This is a very long process. Um, And so I kind of work with families on a more long-term basis because of that, you know, it's going to take, you know, weeks and months to keep serving these foods, doing them in different ways, preparing them in different ways. Um, You know, maybe letting your child help grocery shop for the foods that they refused. Um, Just as much exposure to the food that they can get, the better. Um, And eventually it just becomes part of, normal life for Mm -hmm. for the child and it's not this big overwhelming scary new food anymore yeah it's funny that you say that too because I'm connecting I have a seven month old at home and definitely towards the beginning when we introduced salads it wasn't any particular food but there would be times that she just wasn't in the mood to eat and I remember at the beginning feeling like like, what do I do? I feel like I have to have her eat. And then I kind of just let it go and just kept offering meals every day. And now she loves it. She loves food, but I can see where at the beginning, you know, it's defeating and it takes time. You have to have the time and the patience to just, you know, keep with it. And we don't like to see our kids uncomfortable or upset, but like you said, it could be weeks, it could be months, but it just becomes a part of their normal life. Exactly. Um, I like what you said because you are talking about a seven month old. And so I also work with families in preventing picky eating. And, 
you know, right when you're starting solids, it's the perfect time to already work on implementing those good habits. Mm-hmm. Um, so many families are afraid to give their kids anything that might have any seasoning in it. You know, they want to serve bland foods or, you know, their, their child might really like sweet potatoes, but maybe not like the mashed up chicken. And so they just give the same things over and over again and slowly start not giving some of the other things. And that's where, you know, you start developing more picky eating habits. So Mm -hmm. if you're, you know, constantly giving things that are flavorful and different and they're not getting just so used to the same thing over and over again, that's the best way to get started. And I think too, I mean, I know for myself at the beginning, I didn't think like I was allowed to give her seasonings. And then as I kind of read more, I was like, oh, like she can kind of eat what we're eating for the most part. Like, so now we load her up with, you know, different seasonings and spices and all that kind of stuff. But I think that I'm assuming, I guess, that kind of a lot of moms that aren't maybe in this field kind of assume that like nothing is safe, so I should just give it to them bland. But like you said, you know, starting them from the start with all those different flavors and it just becomes their norm. Yeah, absolutely. The only things that I do recommend just kind of holding back on are things that are overly spicy in Mm -hmm. terms of seasoning. Um, You know, you don't want to give them anything that's going to be painful when they eat. And then we do sometimes just watch the salt content, but that's for anyone really. Yeah. So, (laughs) but yeah, in terms of like herbs and seasonings and all those, you know, spice blends, it's, it's great to, you know, get their palate used to that. Yeah, for sure. I'm glad you said that about the spicy too, because my, uh, my husband's a huge like hot sauce fan, hot sauce on everything. And I'm not, and he's like, let's start her early on hot sauce. So she likes spicy stuff. And I'm like, well, okay, but not right now. Like that could just really tear her stomach apart. So hold on. (laughs) That's so funny that you also mentioned that my husband's a big hot sauce lover and recently exposed our six-year-old to hot sauce. And it turns out our six-year-old loves hot sauce now. Oh my gosh. So now he has like a buddy. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. Down the road. Um, All right. So then I also want to touch on the busy families because you talked about that's a big majority of what you work with. Um, And that's kind of our society's norm to be busy. And I hear a lot from people that preparing a busy meal or a healthy meal is very hard on a busy schedule. And so then maybe they result to fast food or whatever it is. And even the people that kind of think that it has to be an extravagant recipe for it to be healthy. So they give up before they even started that kind of thing. So what are some of the basic practices that you try to implement with families that that's their number one struggle is they're busy and they struggle to get meals on the table for the family? Yeah, so that is a really huge topic that comes up. And like I said, I live that life. So this is this one's really easy for me um, to help with. You kind of touched on it a little bit because families really tend to think to eat healthy, it has to be this, you know, gourmet prepared meal. And really, I teach just keep it simple, as simple as possible. And it can be as simple, I have as simple as like a ham and cheese sandwich and some baby carrots. I mean, sometimes the meals that I prepare are healthy, but they're not even cooked. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. ham and cheese on 
a whole grain bread or a whole wheat bread, some baby carrots, um, some fruit, some yogurt, just things that you can just pull out and it's balanced and simple and it takes no time. Um, the other option is to meal prep, which is maybe a pain point of a lot of people, but it's just, you know, part of that habit building that I was talking about, you know, pick a day or two every week where you batch cook a few things or make, you know, a, a one sheet pan type oven meal where you can cook a lot of things in one swoop, you know, put your vegetables on there, put some chicken on there, um, and cook, cook them. And then you have some leftovers for the next day. Um, you know, th those are big things. And then, you know, just in terms of being busy, sometimes we're on, you know, running out to basketball practice or, you know, just running errands. And there is a component where people are having to eat fast food because we're so busy and that's okay. Um, you know, I'm a pediatric dietitian, but we still, you know, we'll go grab a happy meal every once in a while. Um, it's not a habit that we have in our family. And so that's why it's not some, it's not really a pain point when we do it, it's nice and it's easy. And, you know, we can still make sure, you know, the kids are getting some protein and some fruit and some dairy and, you know, it's, it's fine. Hmm. It's, it's fine the balance. every once in a while. Yeah, it is. It, it's a very um, delicate balance. So, you know, it's okay to eat fast food. I wouldn't do it every day, but it, it is fine. So, you know, I don't like to pass judgment because that's, um, you know, just part of life. Mm -hmm. We're all busy and we, we all do it. So yeah. that's fine. It's really just about trying to prepare as much as you can. When you know you're busy, it's all about preparation. So yeah. buy things you can grab easily out of your refrigerator, serve meal prep. So cook some things ahead. And when you need to, it's fine to, you know, grab something quick if needed. Now, do you ever with families, like you talked about something that you can kind of grab and go with, um, or that doesn't take any like preparing or cooking, do you have certain things that you recommend for families that like, I'm thinking along the lines of like snacks and packaged things, like, are there some things that you say like, okay, go more for these and less for these, or is it kind of just whatever they decide to get? Yeah, absolutely. There are a couple things that I personally look for and like to recommend to the families I work with. I typically go for prepackaged snacks that have fiber in them um, or fruit. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you can just grab a fruit and go um, like cuties or halos. Those are really easy to grab and go. Um, maybe add a cheese stick with it because I like to pair a little protein mm -hmm. with my snacks. Uh, just to make sure that the kids feel full and it's just a more of a balanced snack. Uh, but yeah, so making sure that there's fiber in them. So things like, you know, nature's bakery. I like those in my family, like the fig bars because fig has a lot of fiber in it. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, there's going to be some sugar in, in most things. So I just tend to choose high fiber and as low sugar as you can find the things that I tend to avoid are things like just like straight up like cookies where it's all just sugar and carb because they're, you know, the kids will be hungry soon again after eating that. 
um, things like fruit snacks that um, are basically like candy to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, you know, and so we actually have those as, you know, sweet treats in our house. So um, I don't tend to go for those types of things for snacks. So generally add some protein and um, make sure that the fiber content, I like to look for around two to three grams of fiber per serving on the packaging. Yeah, that's helpful too, because it's you're giving your kids something, like you said, that's going to hold them over versus 20, 30 minutes later that they're feeling hungry again, especially if you have school-aged kids and you're you know, packing up their lunchbox or something. So that's a good point with the fiber. Now, the last, I really wanted to touch on, too, um, that you talked about, like, outlook on your page and practices um, that we have in particular towards our, like, you know, our food, our diet, this type of thing. And there's a lot of that in our society, and I, I would say that a, a lot of it in women. So um, can you talk a little bit more about this and kind of how do you help families or what would be your advice to families that um, maybe kind of are struggling with that outlook and what it means for our kids. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, I already touched on the fact that, you know, I'm a pediatric dietitian and my kids eat McDonald's every once in a while, but I don't label the foods, you know, healthy or unhealthy or, you know, all, all these food labels make people feel guilty that they shouldn't be eating this. And that projects onto the kids. You know, eventually they're going to hear it so many times and they're going to say, oh, this, I shouldn't be eating this. And then a sense of guilt will be associated with that. So I really let go of a lot of that verbiage. It's just, you know, this is what we're having for our meal and there's no labels on it. And, you know, they get dessert sometimes, but even in my family, dessert looks like, you know, cheese after dinner or yogurt after dinner or fruit but sometimes it is a cookie or even a piece of candy you know it it's it's all just a part of our diet and Mm -hmm. it's important to not really put anything on pedestals but also don't put them on um you know this unhealthy you know food list because i think it all of that verbiage will just slowly over time um, you know, project that onto our kids. But I, I do like to talk about it for ourselves too, because that is just how maybe we were raised or it's just, you know, what's ingrained in us now. And so I've learned to let those things go as well. Um, it just, everything fits and and that's just how I look at it. Yeah. I like that idea of not labeling it where it's just like, these are the foods that we eat, you know, and they, I would imagine too, like with your kids, but other kids as well, they just learn what they like because of exposure. And that's just a lifelong good practice to have. Um, I was even thinking as you were saying that I, I was a teacher, I'm an extended maternity leave right now, but very often we would have, you, you see the wide variety of snacks come in, um, And I would remember some kids would come in with like a whole sleeve of Oreos and they would just sit down and start going. And you see some of the kids kind of looking at them like, oh, that's, you know, you can just kind of see the different practices. But I remember my co-teacher and I rather like we would just give them another option, 
but not say to them, you know, like, oh, that's really unhealthy or that's way too much sugar for you or, you know, whatever. And if they asked, you know, why, you know, just trying to say to them, like, actually, this is probably going to make your belly feel a little bit better. It's going to give you more energy for the day. And, you know, but that just reminded me of kind of what you're saying it really is on the parents and the adults in these people's lives to kind of choose how they're responding and how they're labeling foods. Because if you just say in that situation, like, well, that's really unhealthy, or you've got the people that that's going to make you gain weight, then you're not really teaching the kids anything. Oh, absolutely. And the end result would be the kids feeling shame or Mm -hmm. afraid to eat those foods. And that just goes down a really slippery slope as kids get older. Um, And yeah, we just want to avoid that altogether. Yeah, yeah. And I think we're in a society right now that's very diet-centered. And I think that families really have the opportunity right now to kind of change those habits and those thought patterns, especially for their kids. Because like you said, it depends on how we were raised too. And I know, you know, personally that again, diet culture was really big even growing up when I was in high school and college and even probably younger than that. So it's like at some point, hopefully we can kind of break the cycle. Oh, absolutely. It's, it was definitely diet culture was very huge. And I don't know, we may be around the same age, but I mean like the diet pills and all these like weight loss things. Yeah. Slim fast. It was very thrown in our faces. Yes. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so it really is like us completely breaking those habits that we grew up with and passing on completely new habits to our kids. And it's hard. It's yeah. frustrating to change our entire mindset. And so that's, I, you know, definitely why I, I try to help, help families in that way. Do you find that too? Like when you go in to work with a family, maybe it was something that they were more worried about their children that you find like, okay, hold on, we actually have to work with everyone in the family on this. Yes, I will say 100% of the time because, you know, kids only have so much control Mm -hmm. at, you know, especially when they're younger, you know, it's the adults that are purchasing the food and cooking the food and serving the food or, you know, driving through the drive-through to get the food or, you know, whatever it is it's the adult making the choice. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times, you know, I will have parents, you know, they say, my kid only wants to eat this and I think it's so bad for them. And, um, I want it to stop. Well, it's like, well, we have to take like five steps back and, you know, work back through that. (laughs) You know, how are they getting the food? What's happening? How's it being offered? And, um, you know, parents realize like, oh, wow, I have, I didn't realize that I had so much to do with this. Yeah. (laughs) And that, you know, and sometimes it comes as a shock and sometimes parents just come to me and they're like, I know I'm doing basically everything wrong. Tell me what to do. How do I fix this? So that, you know, I see it on the whole spectrum. (laughs) Yeah. I, that's funny that you say that because it's like, once you say it, it's like, that makes so much sense. Like we're in control. We're the ones making these decisions. We're the ones, you know, like you said, driving through the drive-through, and sometimes it takes that person saying to you, "Like, you're you're in control here. So how do we change these practices?" Yeah, absolutely. And especially with a lot of my picky eaters, I take it all the way back and I explain these scenarios 
in a way, um, like coming from a cultural standpoint, like food is a very cultural thing. And so I will have parents coming to me and saying, my kid will eat nothing but mac and cheese or nothing but chicken nuggets every night. And I say, okay, well, you know, at, at one point that habit had to have been formed. And then it goes back to, you know, the parents role in, in that scenario. But then I take it even a step further and I'm, I'm saying, you know, think about kids all around the world. You know, growing up eating chicken nuggets for every meal is not something that kids just automatically, you know, have in their mm -hmm. life. You know, there are kids, you know, in other cultures that grow up eating, you know, lentils and vegetables at every meal. And it's all about what is normalized for them. What are they seeing every day consistently? And that is what forms that culture's food and those diet habits. And yeah. so, you know, when parents think about it in that way, it seems, it makes it seem like it's more doable because they know, you know, there are kids all over the world eating so many things that they think their kids would never eat, but it can happen because right. it just takes us making, you know, or taking different steps in the habits that we've already formed. Well, and almost just, I would think, like not even making a big deal out of it, like mm -hmm. um, kind of related when, again, with my daughter, we found sometimes like, you know, this is still new to us. So when we're feeding her, my husband and I, like all eyes are on her. It's a big deal. But then, you know, we started kind of practicing like talking to each other and still obviously watching her out of the corner of our eyes but I found that she's more likely to just keep eating if we're not just staring at her and it's more just like we're just the three of us here and this is kind of no big deal it's just another day absolutely that's a huge component of also what I teach is keeping the pressure off of mealtimes that's what's going to make mealtimes a more positive experience for everyone not just the the child but the parents too because mm -hmm. we put this expectation that the child's going to eat the food that we gave them and they're going to eat all of it and it's you know then we'll move on but like you said making mealtime more about just being there together quality time kids will role model what you're doing they'll, mm -hmm. they'll see you eating food and they'll be like oh I want to try that too and um there's something to be said for that because even just in meal prepping, and I've had families try this, you know, a child might sit down with a plate full of food and it looks overwhelming and scary and maybe it's a new food or a new vegetable and they do not want to touch it. But take that same child and place them in the kitchen while you're preparing the food. You're cutting up the vegetables. And I know for myself, my three-year-old will come up and eat almost an entire bell pepper that I'm trying to cut up just because <laughs> we're not at the table. There's no pressure around eating the food. You know, he's curious about what I'm doing. It looks fun. It looks colorful. And he says he wants some. So I'm like, sure, you know, that's yeah. the time to build all of these food exposures when there is no pressure and it feels good for everyone. So I really, really love that, um, that point about mealtimes not making a big deal right. about it just doing your thing talking right telling stories 
Well, and I would imagine too, like you're saying, no pressure. And then we've got those families that are so busy that maybe are sitting, hopefully sitting down at the table, but it's also like, come on, we got to eat fast because we got to get to soccer practice or we got to get bath time and you got to finish what's on your plate. Come on, come on, come on. So I think it's just like taking that step back of like slowing it down, taking the pressure off and just having a meal. Absolutely. Um, You know, we don't take a lot of time for meal times in the U.S. I feel um, we are so busy. Um, that's it's funny because my husband was ori- is originally from France, and so mm. you know meal times over there it's like a whole family event. It's yeah. sit down time, and meals can last hours, and it's such a different way of thinking and a way of eating, and it's pretty lovely actually. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Now, as we kind of wrap up, I would love if you could share where people could find you, connect with you, and if, you know, they wanted to reach out for you uh, to give them maybe some support too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So um, I have a website where I have a whole list of my resources, and it is seedsandsproutsnutrition.com, and then just click on the resources page, and there... um, everyone will find a Facebook community. So it's called uh, Nutrition for Kids, Feeding Babies, Kids, and Toddlers. Um, And so a whole group of parents are in there and we talk about all of our struggles and, you know, I'm I'm in the group myself, so I can provide feedback for those. Uh, I do have an Instagram where I share a ton of infographics and information on all of my mealtime strategies. Um, and on Instagram, I am the kids nutrition dietitian. Perfect. Well, I will make sure to put all of those two in the show notes because I'm sure there's going to be moms, especially that have this, um, some of these struggles that we talked about today. So I'm sure they'd love to be able to connect with your page. Yeah, absolutely. And I, um, am always responsive. So I get a lot of questions and I'm always happy to help. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. I'm glad we were able to connect and to do this. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. It was so much fun. If you enjoyed today's episode of the Moms Full Circle podcast, be sure to hit subscribe so you can stay up to date with all of our new episodes. I'm always looking to expand my tribe, so please reach out. You can find me at Caroline underscore Prestano on social media. I can't wait to connect with you and I'll catch you in the next episode.